Turning your Bibles to Luke chapter 15 within God's Word. I'm preaching and teaching through the Gospel of Luke, and we're going to continue uh, with that this morning. Luke chapter 15, verse 11. This Thursday, I, I'm going to have a blast from the past. I'm meeting my parents in Dundee, Michigan, and there I'm going to be able to show my wife for the first time my first school where I went to kindergarten. I'm going to be able to show uh, my wife uh, the church I grew up in as a four or five-year-old, a preschooler. Uh, I'll be able to show her the house that I uh, also have my first recollection of. She'll also be introduced to my first babysitter that I sat in the back seat of a car with, told her to close her eyes, and I laid a big one right on her lips. My first kiss was Sharon Hope. <laughs> yes. And it was there in Dundee that my mom lets me know that for the first time I stuck out my bony little chest and said, I don't want your rules. I'm leaving home. And I got on a tricycle and I pedaled a block away and then I did a big U-turn and came all the way on back. Can I come back home, Mommy? That's what we find in Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15, verse 11. There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. I've preached on and taught on this parable more than any other parable. But the Lord has revealed a brand new perspective on this story of all stories that Jesus told. What was this young man thinking? He thought that money was all that he really needed, that money would make him happy. He didn't want to earn it. He didn't want to work for it. He didn't want to sweat for it. He wanted it now. Those were his thoughts. And once he got the money, he, he said, now I want something more. I want my freedom. I'm tired of my old man's rules. I'm tired of his regulations. He's suffocating me. He's cramping my style. I want out of here. And so, he left home. He thought he was going from a prison to paradise. He thought money plus his freedom uh, was his ticket to paradise. He was sick of home, but don't you know, pretty soon he'd be homesick. Homesick. So he packed it all together, the Bible says. He went to a distant land, and there he spent all of his dad's money, his inheritance. I can imagine this young man buying GM's newest car. It's the fastest car that GM has ever built, the 2015 650 horsepower supercharged 6.2 liter V8 2015 Z06 Corvette, the most powerful car that GM has ever made. It'll do 60 miles an hour in three seconds. It'll go over 200 miles per hour. I can imagine this young man just laying the cash down and driving away. I can imagine him cranking that 1,000-watt uh, amp with two 15-inch subwoofers, Thunder 6000s, boom, ba-ba, boom, ba-ba, boom. Going down the road, booming with hits by uh, Bruno Mars, pit, 
Bull, Justin Timberlake, Rihanna, Katy Perry, Lady Gaga, and Eminem. You don't even know half those names, do you? I don't either. I had to Google them. We can imagine gambling his money away at the casinos. And of course, he's drinking up, he's snorting up, and he's shooting up. He's satisfying every sensual and sexual urge that he has. You see, you know, back at home, there's Bible, and there's prayer, and there's devotions. Here, he's got girls gone wild. He's got internet porn. Uh, he's got hookers. Uh, back home, there's family. There, there, there's going to church. There's... There's, there's foundations of faith. Here, he's, he's got getting high, party hardy, making love. But the Bible says that just when his money ran out, worse than a recession, worse than a great depression, a famine hit the land. And he had to hire himself out. He wasn't yet ready to go home. He thought, he thought to himself, I'll get myself out of this jam. I'll, I'll pull myself up by my own bootstraps. I, I'm going to get a job. I'm going to make some money. I, I'll show dad yet. And he hired himself out to a farmer. And this farmer forced him to do what? Feed pigs. So the next time we see this prince, he is now a pig feeder in the pig mud, the pig manure, and the Bible says very, very clearly to you and I, that in Luke 15, 16, Luke 15, 16, he longed to fill his stomach with the pig food that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. This boy was starving to death. Starving to death. There's a lot of titles I could give this message, a lot of titles I've given this message when I've preached on it, but the new perspective, the new revelation that I, I know that I know that God has given this pastor to share with you this morning would be this. This title, I, I want you never to forget it, The Adventures of Mr. Stinkin' Thinkin'. The Adventures of Mr. Stinkin' Thinkin'. Lord, I pray even right now, Grant us ears to hear and hearts to receive what you are saying to your people this morning. Amen. Amen. If you've got a sermon study guide, fill in the blank with me right now. Uh, the, the story of this lost son reveals to us the power of the mind. The power of the mind. How many neurons does your brain have? They tell us over a hundred billion neurons, and each one of those hundred billion have more than a thousand connections. That means that there's no computer on the planet that has the data storage capacity that your brain has. The brain, your brain, remembers everything. It catalogs everything, either on the conscious or the subconscious level. There is no other arrangement of matter in the universe that can compare to the orderly arrangement and power of the human brain. Think of it. Every attitude, write it down, every word, every action in your life and my life begins with a thought. Before a word comes out of my mouth, it's already being formed in my brain a millisecond before. Sometimes that's good, sometimes that's bad. 
Ask my wife, there are times, yeah, the mouth gets engaged before the brain thinks. No. It's formed up here in your mind and my mind. Would you agree with me? Sin, sin doesn't begin with an action. Sin begins with a thought. The school shootings that shock us almost every week now, they don't begin when someone pulls the trigger. They begin when thoughts of hate and anger are lodged within a mind. Adultery, adultery, illicit affairs don't begin when you slip in between the sheets in some cheap motel that you rent by the hour. It begins when you have thoughts of lust, when you covet someone that is not yours. Think about it. Every action, every attitude, every behavior, every word begins with a thought. Rebellion doesn't occur when a teenager tells his or her parents off. Rebellion begins when thoughts of disrespect and ridicule are nursed and lodged in a mind, a broken home, a broken marriage, a fragmented family. It, it doesn't begin at the court. It doesn't begin in the judge's chambers. It starts when an unforgiving thought is meditated upon within a person, a spouse's mind. The reason so many are unhappy, so, the reason so many are living lives far beneath their full potential is due to wrong thinking. Listen, sir, ma'am, young person, you can't think negative thoughts and expect to live a positive life. It's, it's very simple in Scripture, this basic understanding of the correlation between the mind and behavior. Your life will always, always follow your thinking. Like a magnet, you will attract what you continually think about. If you think the negative, if you expect the negative, you will attract that to your life. And you'll attract it in people too. Birds of a feather like to flock together. Misery loves company. The Bible says in Proverbs 23, 7, as he thinks within himself, so he is. I've had people tell me in counseling, Pastor, I never get any breaks. Nothing good ever happens to me. I, I knew I wasn't going to get that promotion. Guess what? They got exactly what they expected. The son didn't end up in the pig pen by accident. It was the result of his stinking thinking. You got it. Write it down, if you would, with me. Your thoughts are not only the breeding ground for words and actions, they literally have the power to determine the destiny of your soul. Watch your thoughts. Be on guard with your thoughts. How you think will lead to how you speak. Watch your words. As you confess your words, as you declare your words, your words will become your attitude. Be aware of your attitude because your attitude will ultimately lead to your behavior, your actions. Your actions, you need to study your actions because your actions as they become consistent, as they become repeated, will develop into your habits. 
your habits. Uh, study your habits because a pattern of habit will ultimately become your character. And your character, if it is not changed, your character, for better or for worse, will become your eternal destiny. And it all begins with a thought. With an idea. It all begins with your thinking. Write it down. The son's mind was filled with thoughts of greed, rebellion, lust, and it gave birth. Thoughts always give birth, like seeds. It gave birth in him to self-destruction and predominant among his thoughts, fear. Fear. He was fearful that he was missing out on the good life. Fear. I find that fear is one of the deadliest and oldest enemies. Lying behind many of the maladies that I treat as a counselor, as we pastors minister to people, behind many of the, the spiritual, mental, psychological afflictions that people grapple with, fear is usually behind it. I submit to you it was because of fear that Adam and Eve ate of the, the forbidden fruit. Fear that they were missing out. On what they were deceived into thinking was the best. That's the story of the prodigal son, the lost son. He was driven by fear. How many of us are, are driven by worry, anxiety, uh, uh, fear? If you're planting those seeds, they will bear fruit. I love the story of Nick, the railroad worker. True documented story it was in the newspapers decades ago. Nick uh, was industrious, hard-working railroad worker. Uh, he was vibrant. He was a young man in his late 30s. Uh, uh, Nick was working on a day where uh, in the railroad uh, yard where the foreman had a birthday, and so the foreman let the men go home early. Nick was busily working away in a refreshing refrigerated car, uh, a refrigerator train car, and he didn't hear the other guys leaving. The, the railroad yard was so noisy, he didn't hear the other guys say goodbye until he heard the sliding door slam shut. He screamed, he yelled, he pounded on the door, let me out! But because the yard was so Busy and noisy. No one heard him. Hours went by. He couldn't get out. And so he wrapped himself in the cardboard from the cardboard boxes, shivering. I'm going to die. I'm going to die. I'm going to freeze to death. He wrote his family and friends a note. So cold. Can't keep on. Just feel like sleeping. And that's how they found him. Not a normal sleep, but the sleep of death. His autopsy revealed that he died with the same symptoms that someone dies with hypothermia. Freezing to death. But here's the shocker. It never got below 61 degrees in the refrigerator car. The refrigerating unit on the car was inoperative. This man's fear killed him. Just as fear, anxiety, and worry has filled countless cemeteries. The Bible says in 2 Timothy 1.7, God has not 
given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. You can't constantly think thoughts of fear and worry and expect to live in victory, to expect to live in God's success. Every day you'll have negative thoughts bombard your mind. It is your choice. Will you open the door to those thoughts? Will you entertain those thoughts? Will you give them a lodging place in your mind, in your life? You see, when you open the door of your mind to negative thinking, when you invite negative thinking, fear, worry, lust, pride, self-centeredness, uh, greed, uh, materialism, when you invite that into your life to be a guest in the guest room of your heart, you're agreeing with the devil, the enemy of your soul. You're contracting with him. You are equipping him. You are activating his power in your life. Jesus said that one morning, one morning, this son finally realized that the pig pen wasn't the paradise that he had fantasized about that he had thought about. Listen to what Jesus said in verse 17. When he came to his senses, can you read those words with me? When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare, and here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. Write, write it down, if you would, with me. The son went home with what kind of a mind? A repentant mind. The Greek word for repentance, the original language that your Bible was written in, the Greek word is metanoia. It literally means a change of mind. Repentance does not mean being sorry for your sins. Repentance means sorry enough to quit. <laughs> it means a change of perspective, a change of outlook, a change of mind. Mind. You know, it's amazing the many scriptures that we find on the mind in your Bible. Colossians 3.2, set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. Next, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. How about Isaiah 26.3? Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. The Bible says that as the Father was out on his front deck, his front porch, I just inserted that, by the way, but as the father was looking, he saw the son at a great distance coming. This is probably one of my favorite verses in the Bible. The Bible goes on, Jesus goes on to say that the son was coming, but dad hitched up his robe and dad was running. The son was walking, but dad is running. And the dad grabbed the son. <laughs> he embraced the son. He kissed the son on the neck. And he said, this is my son which was lost and is now found. This is my son which was 
dead. Dead in thinking, dead in living, and is now alive. And there was a great celebration. Oh, I love that passage within God's Word. All because the Son decided to change his thinking. He set a new direction for his life by changing, by metanoia, by repenting in his thinking. I ask you this morning, will you join the Son in moving from stinking thinking to favor thinking? Listen, God wants to bless you. God wants to favor you. God wants the abundant life, the joy-filled life. God wants the, the, the prosperous life for you. God is not a stingy miser. He wants to abundantly bless you. Will you move into that? Oh, write it down with me. You can move into favor thinking by standing guard over the entrance to your mind. Every mind has a doorway. Are you alert enough to identify God thoughts, righteous thoughts, and the enemy's thoughts, evil thoughts, self-destructive thoughts, unhealthy thoughts? Are you alert enough at that doorway to guard the entrance to your mind and know what is positive and what is negative, what is death-dealing and what is life-provoking? Will you stand guard at the door of your mind and have a choice? Make a choice. What will you allow in? What will you shut out? What will you invite in and entertain and make the guest, honored guest of your mind? And what will you shut out? My neighbor told me just yesterday that he walked to the, his backyard left his garage door open, walked to his backyard, worked in his backyard, and his $3,000 set of golf clubs just walked away. What will you close your door to? What will you open your door to? What will you guard? What will you not guard? You can move into favor thinking by standing guard over the entrance of your mind. Evaluate your thoughts. Is that idea, is that thought from God? Does it come from self? Or does it come from Satan? Mark it down. Favor thinking is the result of casting down and taking captive negative thoughts. Listen to what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 10. Paul says, casting down imaginations and every high thing that is exalted against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought, thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Again, it's amazing how much Bible instruction deals with your mind. Deals with your thought process, your thinking, yours and mine. What are you entertaining? Are you entertaining right now in your mind? That person owes me. They've hurt me. They've offended me. I'm going to get them somehow, some way. Is that what you're entertaining in your mind? Or are you entertaining? Lord, you've called me to love my enemies. You've called me to bless those who persecute you. You've called me to turn the other cheek in the name of Jesus. Lord, I speak blessing upon that one that has hurt me. You have a choice. 
on what you're going to open the door of your mind to, what you're going to entertain. I could use the example of pride. I could use the example of greed. I could use the example of lust that has so many of our men in the church and out of the church. Research on pornography right now is staggering. And it all goes back to the mind. Satan understands that pornography, whether it's in the red light district or on a, on a kid's smartphone, parents, wake up, is self-destroying. It makes one feel unworthy. It makes feel, one feel dirty, as though their prayers can't, can't get through the, the roof. Take action on your thoughts. Everything begins with a thought. What will you open the door to? What will you close the door to? God desires victory. God desires success. God desires joy and blessing. Favor in our lives. Mark it down. Favored thinking, blessed living is the result of having the mind of Christ and thinking the positive things of God. On one hand, we're called to cast down and take captive negative thoughts, death-dealing thoughts, thoughts of doubt, unbelief, thoughts of failure, thoughts of poverty, thoughts of disease. We're called to cast those thoughts down, to take them captive in the name of Jesus. Because if you plant thought seeds that are negative, it will take root in your life. And where the enemy has a foothold, footholds become strongholds where the enemy can attack you and gain the victory time and time and time again in defeating you. Conversely, the Bible says that if we will think positive things, that we'll have a life of victory, a life of favor. A, the book of the Bible that I would recommend is the most psychological book of the Bible. In the whole Bible is the book of Philippians. It is just filled with things about your attitude, your mind. For instance, Paul says in Philippians chapter 2, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Philippians chapter 4, fix your thoughts on what is true, honorable, right, pure, lovely, admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. The enemy will whisper in your ear, you're never going to be successful. You're never going to have the victory. You're, read my lips, you're a loser. Nobody in your family has ever made it. You're not smart enough. Your parents were poor. Your mother was always depressed. Your dad couldn't even keep a job. Even your pet dog was always sick. You were just born under an unlucky star. You were born in the wrong family. If you entertain those lies, not only will you give life to them, you'll live the curse of those lies. Paul said in Romans 12 too, do not conform to the pattern, the thinking, the thinking, the thinking pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of what? Your mind. Your mind. There it is. Your mind. 
When I was in Israel a couple of weeks ago, and, and people have been asking me, uh, right and left, and, 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 I, and I'll just tell you, it, it was right up there with getting married and having kids. Uh, I, one of the high points of our life, what an education for your pastor. People are saying vacate. No, it was an education uh, experience. We saw two kinds, two kinds, two kinds of riverbeds where the water had carved out a pathway through the mountains. The, the, the one riverbed was, for instance, where I love swimming and diving off a cliff into a pool. Uh, Ein Gedi, where uh, uh, David hid from King Saul and wrote most of the Psalms in the oasis of Ein Gedi, fresh, clear, spring water that carved riverbeds through the Judean wilderness, the mountains, and formed a beautiful oasis. But then there were other riverbeds. They're pure white. On the mountainsides, you see nothing but pure white where the riverbed, the streams have carved uh, uh, these waterways. It's not snow. It's mostly salt and magnesium and sulfates. And when you're in the Dead Sea and that, that liquid touches your tongue, you feel like you're going to die. It's a whole lot worse than just being in the ocean. It's more than salty water. I, I mean, the Dead Sea is dead because it's dead water. You choose the flow. You choose the stream in your life. Our thought processes, the way you think, your attitude is carving out a riverbed. And water will seek. The water of your life, the streams of your life will seek the waterway that you're carving out. Some are carving out a, a, a sweet pathway. Others are very sour. Sour. Depressing. Dead. Defeatist waterway in their life. Listen, the good news is this. God is not limited. God is not limited by the family that I grew up in. God is not limited by my, my dog that was sick all the time. Amen? God's not limited by your education, your social standing, your economic status, or your race. No, the only thing that will limit your God is your lack of faith. The Lord longs to make something out of your life. He longs to get you to start thinking of victory. He longs for you to be a champion of the faith and trust Him no matter what to make a way where there seems to be no way. The enemy will whisper into your mind, you're not able to succeed. You're going to be a failure. You're a loser. God says you can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens you. The enemy says, you'll never get out of this jam. You'll never get out of these bills. You'll never get out of the debt that you're in. God says, uh, I have caused you to be the head and not the tail. I will give thee power to get wealth. For my God shall supply all of your need according to His riches and glory through Christ Jesus. Amen? The enemy says that you'll never amount to anything. God says He'll raise you up and grant you a life of significance. The enemy says that your problems are too big. There's no hope. God says, I am the glory and the lifter of your head. Stop, stop, stop uh, telling God how big your storm is and start telling your storm how big your God is. 
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. What will you think? How are you thinking? What will you confess about your God? Right thinking, mark it down, in favor of living, comes by meditating, meditating, meditating on God's Word. On God's Word. What does meditating mean? Well, let's first look at this powerful principle. Joshua, keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be what? Prosperous and successful. Now, I'm not preaching a Ferrari Rolls Royce in every garage here. Let's be clear. But on the other hand, Joshua is no different than you and I. God is no respecter of persons. God was saying to Joshua, if you will meditate day and night, that means if you will dwell, if you will focus, if you will think on my promises and on my word constantly, I will grant you prosperity. I will grant you victory. I will grant you success. And what he did for Joshua, he'll do for you. He'll do for me. Amen. But it's up to you to decide. I remember the first time I went to a car wash. I've always been a lover of books, but I've been sometimes a little slow with mechanical devices. I mean, out of my whole driver's ed class, everybody got an A. I got an A in the book work, but he turned around in front of all the guys in the car. He pointed at me and said, I'm giving you a C, Chris, and I'm going to call your parents too. You are danger on the road. <laughs> my wife still says that. I went to my first car wash, and I was all nervous trying to get my tire in that, that rut, that channel thing. And then this, this guy's yelling at me to do something with my automatic transit. He's put it in neutral. I, I couldn't figure out, and I just threw it back, put it in low gear, hit the gas, ran through the car wash. I had more suds going down the road. People were just staring at me. You've got a choice every morning. What gear are you going to put this, this mind in? What gear? Are you going to put it in drive? Or are you going to put it in reverse? Every single one of us have that choice. Now, tomorrow morning, Monday morning, when you get ready to get up, go back to school or work, Monday morning, Monday morning blahs, uh, you might wake up tomorrow morning and look out the window, and there's buzzards and vultures in the tree outside your window. There, there, it might be snowing in the month of June here in Michigan, which is no great miracle for me, the way the weather's been lately. The sirens might be going off. It might be a tornado snowstorm. I don't know. It, it, it might even be. It might even be. It might even be the fact that you hear the neighbors moving in, your new neighbors next door, and they have four teenagers, and they're unloading four dirt bikes. It might be a lousy Monday morning in the natural. But you can get up out of bed and you can say, this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and I will be glad in it. For the joy of the Lord is my strength. Yes, in this world I will have tribulation, but I will be of good cheer. For my Jesus has overcome the world. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, i got to let you go. I see a few of you getting anxious out there and walking out on me. 
And so let me just close up and give you the last point here. Favor thinking and favor living comes from knowing who you are and whose you are in Christ Jesus. I want you to know that even though the Son came home, even though the Son came home, He came home with not the right mindset. We have many in our church today. Please stay with me. I'm going to pray in just a minute. When he came home, what do we read that happens? Look in Luke 15. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer, what? Worthy. That's just where the devil wants you. The devil wants you gripped with feelings of insecurity, inferiority, low self-esteem, poor self-image. That you're a nobody. The son came home with a slave, slavery mentality instead of a son mentality. He came home with a pauper spirit instead of the spirit of a prince. But the father said to his servants, the father ignores the son. I like this. Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger, sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf and kill it. Let's have a feast. <laughs> Let's celebrate. This is your God and my God wearing an apron. He's about ready to barbecue because he loves you so much. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again, lost in his father. And they begin to celebrate. Christian, follower of Jesus Christ, uh, saints here this morning, I want you to know, I want you to know, it doesn't matter what kind of position, what kind of job you have. It doesn't matter how many degrees or pedigrees you have. What matters, are you covered by the blood of Jesus Christ? Are you a born-again, blood-washed, Bible-believing, demon-fighting soldier of the cross? Do you know that your name is written down in heaven? Do you know that you're on your way to walk through those pearly gates? That's what it's all about do you know who you are and whose you are in Christ Jesus my Bible does not say that you're a nobody my Bible says that God says this that you're not a nobody that you're a somebody in Christ Jesus not for what you have done not for who you are but because of who he is and he died on the cross for you he shed his blood for you hallelujah and because of Jesus because of Jesus, you're not what you used to be. And you're not yet what you're going to be. And we're marching. We're walking. Some of us are running. Because the best is yet to come. I don't care the obstacle. I don't care the Mount Everest that's before you. You keep thinking right thinking. You reject, take captive, cast down wrong thoughts. You continue to confess, uh, I can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens me. You continue to confess, if God be for me, who can be against me? You continue to confess, greater is he that's within me than he that's within this world. And you will press on through. How about it? How about it? God, God is so excited about you. All he's waiting for us for to see you come home come home if you'll come home 
with the mentality of being a prince instead of a pauper. It's celebration time. He'll put a brand new robe on you of righteousness and a ring on your finger that says, this is my child in whom I'm well pleased. Father, in the name of Jesus, as heads are bowed and eyes are closed, we just speak, we speak, we speak right now. Life, victory, cleansing, transformation in the name of Jesus for each one that will receive what they believe in Jesus. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. The devil, the enemy of your soul, has been whispering into your life. Perhaps you've opened the door. Perhaps you've even entertained those thoughts, thoughts of depression, thoughts of fear, thoughts uh, of worry, maybe even suicide. The Lord is here this morning saying, come out of that pig pen. Come on, let's go home together. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. No one's looking around in the privacy of this moment. How many, how many are here this morning and you're not sure you're right with God? You're not sure that you have a home in heaven and you want to be sure. I'm going to pray a prayer. A prayer of salvation. And if you will include yourself in this prayer, I guarantee you, God's going to do a new thing in your life. God's going to change you and rearrange you. Cleanse you and give you a home in heaven with Him. Heads are bowed. Eyes are closed. How many are here this morning? As no one's looking around. How many are here this morning and with an upraised hand, a demonstration of your faith, you say, I want to be included in your prayer, Pastor. I'm not sure I'm right with God. I'm not sure I'm on my way to heaven. Would you lift up your hand right now? And I want to be sure. How many? Would you lift it up for Jesus this morning? God bless you. I see that hand. Amen. God bless you. I see those hands. Yes, God bless you. How many more? I'm looking up in the balcony, down here in the main floor. Lift it up high so that I can see it. Especially let heaven see it. Yes, God bless you up in the balcony. I see those hands. Yes. Yes. Pray with me this prayer. Everybody pray this prayer out loud. Pray it with me. Especially these who have lifted up their hands. Make this prayer your prayer. Are you ready? Dear Jesus, I come to you right now just as I am. No excuses. No defense. I confess I'm a sinner with sinful thoughts, wrong thinking. Lord, I'm a sinner. But Jesus, you're my Savior. Cleanse my mind. Give me a holy brainwashing. Lead me to right thinking. I believe you died for me. And I believe you rose from the dead with resurrection life. New life. I want that life, Jesus. 
a changed life. Thank you, Jesus, for hearing me, for changing me, for a new home in heaven. I thank you, Jesus, that I am saved. In the name of Jesus, I pray this. Amen.